Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. you to turn in your Bibles and we'll get there in just a moment. Go ahead and put the title of the, the message up today. This is step number five for us today. Whenever we think about reclaiming our culture, we've, we've got to understand there are some steps. If you remember when we first started this series, I shared with you what is the, what is the next step. And then I, I retracted that statement because that implied, if I'm thinking about what is the next step, that had implied that I had already taken a step. Well, I backed up and I said, Lord, what is the first step? And then what are the next steps? And so let me recap a little bit with you what the first four steps are whenever we think about being a modern-day culture warrior. And uh, this, is, this is our modern-day Daniel that we kind of dressed up here. And we went through the whole armor of God with that a few weeks back. But we're leaving him up there just to have a, a visual, a mindset of how we are to step forward and be this culture warrior. I think I have it on the slide for you, the steps that we are to take. And these are individual sermons that I had hit each and every week as we're walking through that. I think it's on the slide. Here we go. Number one is our identity with Christ. That's step number one. We've got to know who we are, right? Our identity must be found in the person of Jesus Christ. As we step forward to reclaim this culture, we've got to know who we are and what we are. So our identity must be in the person of Christ. Did it just crash? I think our system just went down. So our identity must be in the person of Jesus Christ, right? Our identity is not in our career. It's not in our families. It's not in the type of car that we drive. Our identity is not in how much money we have in the bank account. Our identity must be in the person of Jesus Christ and Him alone. All those other things are secondary and third and fourth and so on and so on. You got me? So step number one, our identity in Christ. Step number two, and I think this is a big one, we must have biblically based convictions. Okay? I know you've been in church maybe a long time. And maybe you've been in a lot of different churches. Maybe you've seen and heard a lot of things. Maybe families pass down things to you, grandma and grandpa and great-grandma and great-grandpa and so forth and so on. And traditions have been passed down. What we've got to be careful about is that we are not living out grandma and grandpa's preferences, that we are living out the Word of God. We've got to be sure that every conviction that we have is biblically based. In other words, we've got to have chapter and verse for each one of these convictions that we have. Now, whenever we step forward, whenever we get in this reclaiming the culture and you think about the concept and how we do that, it's making ourselves aware of the circumstances and the situations and the discussions that we find ourselves in day after day and week after week. And then we've got to be sure whenever we start engaging in that discussion and whenever we start to shine light of what the Word of God says, we must be dead level sure that our convictions and our principles are biblical, right? Everybody say biblical. 
that they are biblical, that they are the Word of God. Not a preference that's been passed down to someone, but by someone, but what the Word of God says. So we need chapter and verse, right? So our identity is in Christ. Our convictions are biblical. We've got chapter and verse in what we believe. The third step, and he's here before you today, is what? Putting on our spiritual armor, right? Putting on the armor of God. If, if you remember in that sermon, uh, Brother John Pratt helped me, and we kind of went to the spiritual armory, and, and we decked this guy out, and we talked about the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the belt of truth and the feet that are shod with the gospel of peace and, and the shield and, and the sword, and, and we unpacked all of that. And what we talked about in that sermon is that every single day we've got to be intentional about stepping up and putting on this armor. Because without this armor, you are no match for Satan, right? Right? But you and God, with the armor of God, you make a majority in every situation. And I love, it was even in their song, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. With God, we are the majority, right? We can make a difference, but we must put on our spiritual armor. So that was step number three. What was step number four? Step number four was to step forward. Allow God to use you, okay? My identity's in Christ. My convictions are biblical. I've got the Word of God. I've got chapter and verse for what I believe in. I, I, I know what God's Word says. I've put on the spiritual armor. Now I'm sitting back still. Remember, we haven't even left the camp yet. And I'm sitting back, and I'm hearing some discussion that's taking place on the job. I'm hearing some discussion that's taking place in the family. I'm hearing some discussion that's taking place in the community. Down at the town hall or city hall, there's some discussions that are taking place. What am I going to do? Am I going to step forward and engage? Or am I going to sit back here with my head in the sand and just hope and pray it all goes away? Well, to me, honestly, I think that's what too many Christians have been doing. We just step back and we just let somebody else do something. Well, the problem is there aren't enough of us that are stepping forward with these three steps, our identity in Christ, our convictions are biblical, we have on the spiritual armor, and we're just stepping forward into the situation. And we're asking some questions. What's going on? If you remember in Daniel chapter 2, that's what we unpacked last week. Right? Allowing God to use you. You remember Daniel? He went to Arioch, the one that was the guard over them. He said, hey, what's the king so upset about? What in the world is going on? Right? And you remember the, king, the Arioch told him, said, hey, the king needs you wise men to tell him what his dream was and interpret the dream. And he's pretty upset. And if you don't do that, he's going to kill you all. Right? What, what would have happened if Daniel sat back? God had him there. If you remember, we already unpacked this. Who had Daniel and the Hebrew people there in the kingdom of Babylon in captivity at the University of Babylon to retrain them to the way the king thinks and, and the way the king's methods are? Who put them there? Did, did King Nebuchadnezzar come and grab them and take them himself? No. God used him to come and grab them, but it was God who had them there. So God, get this now, get this. God had Daniel there in the king's court for a reason. What would have happened if Daniel said, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just not going to get involved. Right? I'm going to check out on this one. I may lose my next promotion if I say something. Are you with me? I may lose some popularity if I say something. So I'll go to church on Sunday and it'll feel good. And then through the week, I'll just sit back and kind of let, let the preacher take the brunt of it. Let somebody else do it. But I'm going to sit back here and do nothing. Listen, God didn't bring you this far. 
He didn't, he didn't get you to believe that your identity is in Christ and bring you to the Word of God so that your convictions are biblical and clothe you in the spiritual armor that we are to put on every day for you to sit back and do nothing. Right? I mean, really, if I'm going to sit back and do nothing, I don't need much armor. Are you with me? So step number four, after we have our identity and our, biblical, our convictions are biblical and we put on the spiritual armor, step number four is just to step up and allow God to use me. Now, I'm not going to step up and I'm not going to beat somebody over the head with the Bible and I'm not going to be arrogant and I'm not going to be holy, holier than thou and I'm not going to be self-righteous and I'm not going to be condescending, and, but I'm just going to step up and I'm going to ask some questions. What's going on? What are you guys talking about? Why is the king so upset? Right? And then what I love about that message last week, when it was brought to Daniel what, what the king was so upset about and his life is on the line, what did he do? Did he worry? Did he fret? Was, was he filled with anxiety? No. What did he do? He went home and he told Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He said, hey, boys. He said, there's, there's an issue. I need you to pray. He went and got his prayer team together. And he said, guys, I want you to pray. And I'm going to pray and we're going to go talk to God. So let's get, let's get together and pray. You guys pray. Pray about this. Now I'm going to ask God. And then I'm going to bed. What? Daniel, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, your life is on the line, and you're going to have a little prayer gathering. You're going to tell your buddies what they need to do and tell them about the situation and have them pray, and then you're going to go off and pray, and then, Daniel, you're going to go to bed? Yeah, that's what he did. How do I know that's what he did? It doesn't say in Scripture that he went to bed, but it does say that while he was sleeping, right, he heard from the Lord, and he got the vision, and he got the dream, and he got the interpretation, and when he just went to bed. So whenever we're faced in those situations... Step number four is big. We've got to just step out. And we've got to start talking. What's going on on the job? What's going on in the community? What's going on in the family? What's going on with the neighbors? Whatever it is. If we're going to start reclaiming our culture, guys, we must take that step of faith and step out there. Our identities in Christ, our values are biblical, our principles are biblical. We've got on the spiritual armor. It's time now to step out. Are you tracking with me? Okay. Step number five is this one, and I love this one, and man, I love, I don't know if I've got time to get through it all. Step number five is see the big picture. Okay, get this now. We've done these first three, and I'll quit repeating them, but I almost feel like I need to, but you understand them, right? We're stepping out. Now, while I'm here, I'm like, oh, Lord, right? You been there? Whew, God help me, right? These folks don't believe like I believe. These folks are living lives contrary to the Word of God. This is not going to be popular. Take a deep breath. How many have ever been there? You've been there? Been faced with situations like that? If we're going to reclaim our culture, that's what it's going to take. It's going to take us getting in some of those hard places and saying, Okay, Lord. (laughs) My knees are shaking a little bit. That's okay. Right? Because really, the more you shake, the more you're dependent on the Lord. And the less you shake, the more you're dependent on yourself. Say amen. Right? So it's okay to shake a little bit. Whoo, God, I need you right here. I'm a little nervous. I don't, I'm trusting you, Lord. Help me, help me, help me. What's that verse I remember in Awana? What's that verse I remember there? What's that verse? Can I help me there? Oh, I just read this the other day. God, please bring that back to my remembrance. And you been there, done that? I mean, I, I get there all the time. You say, you're the pastor. Surely, no, <laughs> I'm like that too, right? Right? So I'm there. And I've stepped out. Now I'm like, okay, God. Now, here's what Satan wants you to do. 
Satan wants you to get tunnel vision. He only wants you to see that one thing, right? You, you've, got to, you've got to resist. Now, you may see that one thing, but you've got to lift your eyes up, and you've got to see that there's a bigger picture. There's something else. There's something big going on. Even in our culture today, there's something big going on. Now, I am as saddened as, any, as anybody else. I'm assuming other folks may be saddened with how far our country has drifted away from God. I am so saddened with what's going on in, in our national government, in our local governments, and it seems like our whole authorities and leaders are just drifting further and further away from God. And, man, I, I, I long for the, the days when, when, our, when our nation was just... You know, they just had their morals right and their belief system right. And I remember as a boy that you couldn't go to the store and get milk on Sunday. Everything was closed on Sunday. You know? And I'm not saying everything needs to be closed on Sunday today. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm just saying, why were they closed? Because they were worshiping the Lord and honoring the Lord and taking a day of rest and their businesses and so forth and so on. Those days are totally gone. Right? I mean, Sunday's, Sunday might as well be Monday. I mean, it seems like it doesn't even matter to people anymore. I remember as a boy back in the day when there were no ball games on Sunday. Right? I remember as a boy there were no... And I, I, play, I played football from the time I could walk. I mean, from the time I was just little, I was in peewee football. And, and I played it all the time. But our games were always on Saturday morning. We never thought about playing on Sunday. Tournaments always, and in, 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 in baseball, tournaments were always through the week, you know, Friday evening, all day on Saturday. But we knew we had to get them on Saturday because there was no ball on Sunday. And I remember even in the school system that the school system let out early on Wednesday all activities because everybody would go to church on Wednesday nights. Guys, our culture has changed so much. Now, I'm not saying we've got to get back to that. But what I am saying is there's something big going on. Now, I'm already thinking, I'm, I may have to, this may have to be two sermons, okay? I, I don't think I'm going to get through all of it today. And, and there's so much here, I, I don't want to cheat you out of what God's Word is teaching us about this big picture. So I had planned on telling you everything today, but I realize now I'm not going to be able to, okay? So, so we're going to do two sermons. This one and, and next week, we're going to talk about this big picture. But I want you to know there's something big taking place. And by the way, and I'm going to unpack this when I get a little bit deeper into the message. I love America. I love our military, men and women that serve. I am so thankful for those that gave their lives so that we could be this, this wonderful, powerful nation, America. But guys, when you start studying eschatology, which is the doctrine of last things, the end times, the end days... There is no superpower called the United States of America. So I'm not trying to be an alarmist. I just want to try to be a realist. And I want to share with you what I believe God's Word teaches us. That slowly and slowly our nation is going to be sold out. To we, we just fit in with these other ten kings and kingdoms and nations that we're going to see in this vision and this dream and this interpretation of Daniel chapter number 2. There is no going to be no world leader like there was with King Nebuchadnezzar. He was the superpower of the day. He was the king of Babylon. Okay? But I want you to see as we look into Scripture, we're going to see how all of that starts to change. And that's what brings trouble 
And that's what brings anxiety to the king. Then Daniel steps in, and I want you to see how God worked in Daniel's life. Now, I said all that to say this. Whenever we step up into a situation, you'll find that Daniel was very kind, that he wasn't condescending, he wasn't brutal with the Word of God. He just stated what God's Word said and what God had told him, and he made a profound impact in his culture of his day. So what I want us to do is step out, and then when we step out, step number five, I want us to see the big picture, okay? So if you will, please, let's go and let's read Daniel chapter number two. Are you there? Daniel chapter two. Now, I realize this may be a little lengthy reading here, but I think it's important. I I need to read it right now so that we kind of have the context in place of of what's going on, and and then I'm going to be expounding on it today and, and probably even some more next week. But I want you to get this. Verse number 24 of Daniel chapter 2. Are you there? Everybody got your Bibles? Okay, you need to be there. I have it on the screen as well, so we'll have it up here. Verse number 24, it says, Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. Now, question, why is he destroying the wise men of Babylon? Why is the king going to destroy them? Talk to me. Because they cannot tell the king what the dream was, let alone what the interpretation was, right? So that's what the trouble is. That's what the anxiety is all about there. And he came to Arioch, and he said to him, Don't kill the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will give him the interpretation. Now, that was step number four. That was Daniel stepping up. Okay? If we're going to reclaim our culture, we must have this Daniel mentality. We must choose to get involved in the circumstances of the day, whether it's politically correct or not, whether it's popular or not, whether it may harm us, we've got to choose to step forward and allow God to use us. That's what Daniel is doing. Now, I want you to take note. Daniel went to Arioch and said, hey, what's going on? Tell the king, do not kill the wise men. Take me to the king and I will be able to give him the interpretation. I want you to look at verse number 25 because this is how the world does. Verse number 25. Then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king, and guess what he said? He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, Daniel came up to me the other day and said he could tell you your dream, and he could tell you the interpretation, and he asked me to bring him to you. Is that what he says? No. What does he say? He takes credit for the whole thing, right? I mean, he's after a promotion. Are you tracking with me? Look what Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king, and he said, I have found a man. No, you did not. Right? The man found you, Arioch. Are you with me? You, do you see that? That's a sidebar. It won't cost you anything. I, just, that, I, I thought that was humorous when I saw that because that's what the world does. They want to use everything for their own agenda, for their own political gain, or their own promotion, or their own power. Right? You're going to see Daniel doesn't do that at all. Right? And we must not do that. That's why I told you it's going to take two sermons. I'm going to have a hard time getting through all this reading. Okay? Here we go. I have found a man among the Judean exiles who can let the king know the interpretation. Verse 26, the king said in reply to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, are you able to tell me the dream that I had and its interpretation? I want you to look at how Daniel, Daniel didn't say yes. Daniel didn't stroke himself here. Daniel stepped out, but he stepped out with tremendous humility. He was so humble. He said, in verse, if you will, look in uh, verse number 26. Are you able to tell me, verse 27, Daniel said, to the king, no wise man 
medium, divine or priest, or astrologer is able to make known to the king the mystery he asked about. And Daniel just saying, hey, no, I, I can't tell you this. I can't tell you what the dream was, nor can I tell you the interpretation. No man can do that. I love verse 28. He's talking to the king. And he says, oh, king, listen, I can't tell you the dream. I can't tell you the interpretation. There's nothing I can do. I've stepped out. I'm here. I see the big picture. But I want you to know I am just a pawn. I am such a small guy. There's no way that I could do this. No way any man can do this. But verse 28 is one of my favorite verses. I have it highlighted. It's bold. I have a line drawn around it. I mean, I am jumping all over this verse, and you need to jump all over it. Verse 28 says, but there is a God in heaven. I love that. Everybody say that. But there is a God in heaven. Say it again. But there is a God in heaven. Listen, whenever you step out, you're going to be a little bit nervous. And I want you to realize you are so small. And I want you to realize that circumstance really isn't about you at all. It's all about God. And you need to be able to jump into verse number 28. And you need to say, hey, there's nothing about me. But there is a God in heaven. Amen? That's a great place to say amen right there, right? There is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And get this. And by the way, King, look what he says. And he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Now, hold on a minute. This is Daniel. This slave, late teen, early 20-year-old young man that's standing before the king... That at the king's wish, all he has to say is, off with his head. And he's dead. But I want you to look what he tells the king. He says in verse 28, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And I just want you to know, he's come to let you know what's going to happen. You see, because the king in that day, and even the kings and rulers in our day, they think they are in control. Right? They think they call the shots. Right? Right? King Nebuchadnezzar thought, man, he's in control of this situation. But what God is doing, he's thumping his heart a little bit, and he's thumping his mind a little bit, and he's saying, hey, boy, I want you to realize you may be the king of Babylon, but I'm the king of all kings. Amen? I run this thing. I created all of this. Right? You're just a pawn that I am using in this big game that God could call chess. And I just want you to know, King Nebuchadnezzar, it isn't even about you. There's a bigger picture. And that's what I want you to see. I want you to start seeing this big picture that's taking place that Daniel's going to unpack for him that, he, that this king had in his dream. Okay? So he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. That's huge. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these. Now, he's getting ready to tell him the dream. Verse 29. Your majesty, while you were in bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, the, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living. Once again, Daniel is so humble. He's saying, listen, I've, I know this dream, but not because I have this great wisdom Hold on here, guys. When you step out to reclaim the culture, and I hope you can track with me through this. When you step out to re reclaim the culture, you can't step out there as a know-it-all, right? You can't step out there as, hey, I've got all the answers, right? You've got to step out there and say, you know what? 
God's revealed this to me through his word. But I want you to know it's not because I have this great intellect. It's not because I have all this great knowledge. It's not because I've been to Bible college and I've been to seminary and I have these degrees. And you, you see those types of individuals. They go off to seminary, they go off to college, and they come back with this holier than thou. I know the Greek. I know the Hebrew. Right? Now, I'm not against the Greek or the Hebrew. That's the original language. I'm not against that. But, honey, there's a whole lot more about life than that. Dude, get a life, right? Hello? Daniel? Daniel said, <laughs> Daniel said, I don't know anything. Matter of fact, Paul said, I don't know anything but Christ and him crucified. Right? Where, where do some of these people get off thinking, that, I know it all. Look to me. I've been to seminary. Well, I'm not against that at all. I'm not against education. Please don't misunderstand me. But if that's all you've got going for you, man, you need to get back on your knees and get on your face before God because there's a whole other world you need to step into. Are you with me? Okay, I don't know how I got off on some of this stuff. But I tell you, this is, this is, this is a great, one of my favorite passages in the entire Bible, several chapters here in the book of Daniel, okay? As for me, the mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Daniel saying, listen, I'm here because God sent me here. I'm here because the Lord gave me the, the interpretation of the dream. I'm here because God even told me what the dream was. I'm here because of what he is doing, not because of what I am doing. And he said, I'm here because God wants you to know something and he wants you to understand a few things. Wow, that's huge. Do you see that in verse number 30? I'm here because God wants you to know something. And God wants you, O king, to have understanding. Now that's standing there and speaking with authority. This is a young man standing before the king. But I love how he stands before him. And I just want to reiterate once again, guys, as we step out, that's our fourth step, we've got to step back and see the big picture. We can't just see the particular circumstance. And we may have the answers to it. And we, have, we may have chapter and verse for it. But I think a lot of times, oftentimes, we're unable to make an influence or an impact on the culture because of the manner that we approach it. Right? Filled with wisdom and knowledge and know exactly what God's Word says. We need to back up. We need to come humble like Daniel did and say, listen, it's not about me. Nobody can know what you need to know. But there is a God in heaven who reveals this stuff. And he has spoken to me, and he speaks to us several different ways. I preached the whole message here, how God speaks to us. But one of the ways that he speaks to us is through the written word. So we can take the word of God and we can say, you know what? God has spoke to us about this in his word. Let me share with you what God's word says. Now, the intent is here that you would know and that you would understand, right? So he's not slapping him upside the head and saying, hey, you're a loser. He's not slapping him upside the head and saying, hey, will you get right with God? He's simply just saying, God's revealed some things to me, and he's trying to get your attention, and he just wants you to know some things. And he just wants you to understand some things, right? So that's the way we've got to approach it. Do you get that in this? Do you see that? Look at verse 31. He says, my king, what time is it? Oh, my goodness. Verse 31, he says, my king, (laughs) thank you, my king. As you were watching, a colossal statue appeared. Now, this is the dream. This is the interpretation. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you. And its appearance was terrifying. Get the picture now. The king had this dream of this massive 
statue that's standing in front of him. And it was terrifying. Verse 32. The head of the statue was pure gold. The chest and the arms were silver. The stomach and the thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron. And its feet were partly iron and partly clay. And as you were watching, you saw this colossal image of this head of gold and this chest and arms of silver and this stomach of thighs that was bronze and the legs of iron, the feet of iron and clay mixed. He said, as you were watching, all of a sudden a stone broke off without a hand touching it. And it struck the statue on, the, on its feet of iron and fired clay and it crushed them. Verse 35, and then the iron and the fired clay and the bronze and the silver... And the gold were shattered and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the stature became a great mountain and it filled the whole earth. This was the dream. That's the dream the king had. You see, the king thought he was in control of everything. But God has come to remind him that he's not. That God is. Okay? This great colossal image. Massive. Head of gold. Chest and arms of silver. Midsection of bronze. Legs of iron. Feet of iron and clay mixed. A stone. Came out of the mountain. Not touched by hand. Crushed the feet. Destroyed the image. It's scattered. It's gone. But the stone, you see, is going to remain forever. That was the dream. Now, what is the interpretation? Okay? Let's get to that. Now, we would tell the king its interpretation in verse 36. Look at verse 37. Your majesty, you are king of kings. Don't you think the king loved that? Right? Your majesty, you are king of kings. And the God of heaven has given you sovereignty and power and strength and glory. Once again... I want you to notice who Daniel is elevating in this entire conversation that he's had with the king. Who is he elevating? God. What is he doing? He's reminding the king. Hey, king, you're the king. Notice it's a little K, little K. (laughs) You're, You're the king of kings on the earth. Did you see that in scripture? Right? Don't you know the king just started swelling up with pride? I mean, he was a powerful man of that day. Don't misunderstand me. He was a powerful man. But Daniel's saying, King, I want you to know that the God of heaven, the one who gave me this dream and the one who's given me the interpretation that I am sharing with you, the one who wants you to know some things, the one who wants you to get understanding, the one that that wants you to know that he is in control, not necessarily just you, he has given you sovereignty. He has given you power. He has given you strength. He has given you glory. And wherever people live, or wild animals, or birds of the air. He has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. Look what he says here. You are the head of gold. Wow. Don't you know that made him feel good? I'm the head of gold. The most precious metal of all the metals in the image. I am that head of gold. Right? Surely it had to make him feel good. However, he's troubled because he's about this stone that destroyed this whole image. So now he feels good, but he says, oh, wait a minute. The dream continues, and 
It's going to get destroyed. He says, you are that head of gold. Now get this, verse 39. Now this is unheard of. We can look back now in history and we can see that this came to pass just as Daniel said it came to pass. When you study world history, you'll see that the Medes and the Persians were next in line and, and then the Grecians and then the Romans. You, you'll kind of see all that unpacked here. But I want you to look what he says. He says, and after you, verse 39, this has to rock his world a little bit. And after you, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm the king, I'm thinking, you're stupid. Right? Stay with me here. You just, that's an oxymoron, what you just said. Right? I am sovereign. I am powerful. I am great. I have strength. I have glory. I'm the head of gold. And now you're telling me that there is going to arise another kingdom that is inferior to my kingdom and take over the superpower of the world? Are you? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, but it gets better, right? Stay with me here. Have you guys read this? You, you got you familiar with this passage? It's a great passage of scripture. There will arise another kingdom inferior to yours, and get this, and then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole earth. A fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes, crushes and, sh- and shatters everything, and like iron that smashes, it will crush and smash all. The others. And you saw the feet and the toes, partly of a potter's fired clay and partly of iron. It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. And you saw the iron mixed with clay, and that the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly fired clay, and part of the kingdom will be strong and part will be brittle. And you saw the iron mixed with clay, and, and the peoples were, will mix with one another, but will not hold together just as iron does not mix with fired clay. The king is starting to get an understanding about all these different kingdoms that are coming into play here. Verse number 44. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. That's key. He's giving him the interpretation. And he said, I've shared with you these other kingdoms that are going to be overtaken by an inferior kingdom. There's one, two, three, and four of them. But in the end, he says in verse 44, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And this kingdom will not be left to another people. In other words, he's saying, I'm going to set up a kingdom, but I'm not going to turn it over for somebody else to run and rule and reign. That's what he's saying. I'm not going to turn it over to another group of people to manage and to run. That's what he's, that's what he's saying. That's what I want you to see here. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron and the bronze and the fired clay and the silver and the gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is true. Its interpretations are certain. Wow. Do you think God used Daniel to impact the culture and to rock the king's world. He did, right? He did. The response, King Nebuchadnezzar fell down. He paid homage to Daniel. He gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king then said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, Revealer of mysteries, since you were able to reveal this mystery. Look at verse 48. Then the king 
promoted Daniel and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all of the wise men of Babylon. And then I love verse 49. Daniel didn't forget about his buddies. He said, hey, i got some guys who've been pretty faithful. They've helped me get this interpretation. They prayed with me. In verse number 49, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Guys, I've, I've got to wind this thing down. So let me try to close it out like this. And really all I've shared with you is the introduction to this sermon. Seriously. But I had to lay that context so that, I can, so that I can emphasize these next three points I want to emphasize next week. Here's what I want you to get. When you step forward, that's step number four in our process of reclaiming our culture. When you step forward, I want you to step forward like Daniel did. I want us to step forward like Daniel did. With humility. And pointing all glory and all honor to God. And speaking in a way that the king would have knowledge and understanding. And realize there's a whole lot more going on than that one particular issue that we may be facing. Okay? We've got to see the big picture. Now, next week I'm going to unpack more of what that big picture is. But I think that's a good start for us. I mean, I would lose you because I need at least another 30 minutes to even get to where I need to get to. And if I try to do that right now, I'm going to totally lose you, and it's not going to have the impact it needs to have. So we'll just stop right here, come back next week. I'm going to finish it out on this portion of step number five, see the big picture. So let me ask you this. As the band comes, and we're going to close out our service today, let me ask you this. Are you ready to engage in the spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare that we're in? Are you ready to step forth collectively together? And I pray it starts with Victory Church. And I pray God does something here in, in our midst with our people and help us to, to start. It's going to start with ourselves, And then it's going to ooze out into our home. And then from our home, it's going to go to our workplace. And then our workplace is going to go to our community. And our community is going to go throughout our county. And out our county, it's going to go the whole Metro East and, and surrounding counties. And then from there, it's going to go across the states. And there it can go across the nations. But at first... First, it has to start in my heart. It has to start with me. So here's what I'd like to ask you to do. As every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Here's what I want to ask. Are you ready to engage? Are you ready? The first three weeks, we didn't even leave the camp. We were getting our identity all figured out. We were getting our biblical principles and convictions and values all figured out. We were, we were being trained on how to put on the spiritual armor and what each piece does and how it works and how we can use it and, and, and how it defends us and how it protects us and, and the, the offensive weapons that we have. And we talked about that. Last week we talked about allowing God to use you by you just simply stepping into the conversation. But now you've got to see the big picture. And when you step in, You've got to step in with humility. And you've got to step in pointing everybody and everything to the King of kings and the Lord of lords, to God. So here's what I want us to do. 
For those that have already accepted Christ as your Savior and you're ready to engage and you're ready to start reclaiming our culture, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pay attention to the conversations this week on the job, in the home, in the community, wherever they are. I want you to pay attention to those. I want you to step into those and just start asking some questions. Just start having some discussion. But be sure you step into that with tremendous humility, knowing there's nothing really good about you or me. We're all just sinners saved by the marvelous grace of God. We don't, we're not stepping in with all this massive, great knowledge. Daniel says, listen, I don't claim to know anything, but I know there is a God in heaven. That's how we've got to enter these conversations and have these dialogues and, and have these conversations if we're going to impact our culture. So let me pray for you this morning, for those that are believers. And this is our invitation time. And I'm not going to have you come forward. I'm not going to have you raise hands. We're just going to do business with God right here. You've heard the word. We really just read the scripture today is all we did. But God's word is powerful. For those of you that are believers and you're ready to step forward, let me pray with you. Father, I pray for each of us that are ready to step into this battle. We've stood on the sidelines way too long. We've stepped back and we've gotten lost in the crowd way too long. God, it's time now for us to know our identities in you, for us to have biblical, biblically-based convictions, for us to put on the spiritual armor of God, and now it's time for us to step forth. And when we step forth, help us to step forth with humility and pointing everybody, everything to you, knowing that there is a God in heaven that can help us in this situation. Help us to engage in the conversations. Help us to start asking some questions. Help us to seek you out in prayer. I pray, God, you use us. Work through us. Help us, God, to impact our community for the cause of Christ. God, we can do this with you. We're going to stand there with our knees knocking. But, God, that's okay. You're with us. Father, I just pray for every saint, every child of God that's here today, that this week they would start to engage in some conversations. And as they step into those, help them to realize there's a bigger picture. They don't know what it all is yet, but there's a bigger picture. There's something massive taking place. God, you are sovereign. You are in control. You move the kings and the presidents and the rulers of this world around as you would have them go so that your sovereign will will come to pass. God, you have a plan for the end time and for the eternity future. God, you are working it all out right before our eyes. And for those of us that study Scripture, God, we can see it unfolding right before our eyes. God, help us to be involved in that. God, let me be involved in that. Let me step in. And I pray, God, you make us all a Daniel. Help us, dear God. Father, give us strength. Give us courage. Give us boldness. Give us power to engage. Father, we need you. Help us to reclaim our culture. I want to pray. Every head still bowed. Every eye still closed. I want to pray for those that may be here today and you've never really gotten into this battle at all. You're, you're kind of really unsure about this whole thing called Christianity. Maybe you don't even really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want to help you this morning. 
wonder as you bow your head and you close your eyes. I'm not going to draw any attention to you whatsoever, but I want you right now to do business with the Lord. I want everyone here to think about your own spiritual relationship with the Holy God and how that is. And if it's not where it needs to be, now's the time that we either, one, need to confess our sins and recommit our lives to Christ, or we need to trust Christ as our personal Lord and Savior today. Father, for that one that's here, that their relationship with you is so rocky, they're really going to have a difficult time stepping out and doing anything for you. Maybe they don't even know you as their Lord and their Savior. Father, my prayer is today, right now, dear Lord, I believe you're moving in this service. I felt your presence in the very first drum of the very first chord on the guitar. God, I know you're here. God, I know you're at work. You tell us in your scripture that you never sleep, you never slumber, you're always at work. There's something massively large and big that's taking place, but at the same time, there's individuals, God, that you're working with. Lord, my prayer is right now that they would give their hearts and their lives to you. Because, God, outside of you, we have no hope whatsoever. Paul said, without you, we are of all men most miserable. God, we need you. Father, for that one that's sitting here today, and they really don't know what to do, which way to turn. Lord, I pray that they would just fall on their knees, spiritually speaking, before you. Just say, God, here I stand. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for the burial and the resurrection. Thank you for the wonderful plan of salvation. Thank you for making a way that I can have a relationship with a holy God. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit on the day of, of, of Pentecost. Thank you for our bodies now being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God, for the the day of grace, the the church age that we have today. Right now, Lord, I I may not understand it all, but I know that I need to ask you to forgive me of my sins and to come into my life and be be my Savior, but more importantly, be my Lord. God, I want to give you control of my life. I want my identity to be found in you. If that's you this morning, let's continue to pray. Just pray something like this. Just say, dear God, I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I repent of my sins. I turn from them. I want to place you in the center of my life. I want to place you on the throne of my heart. And God, right now, I repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I trust you. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you are the sinless Son of God. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. I want to trust you now as my Savior. This day forward, I want to start taking baby steps. and I want to start growing in my faith. And I want to start learning more of you and I want to start giving more of my life to you and God I want you to use me and God I'm yours. I surrender. I throw in the towel today. Today I surrender. I'm yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, for those that have done business with you today and God I don't know the needs of each one and what decisions were made today, but Lord you do. 
Father, I just pray that you would work in their lives. God, you would help them to grow in their faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.